Welcome to Broadcast 1132. You can join us live every Sunday during our worship experience or at church1132.com. to share with you out of Hebrews chapter 12, Hebrews chapter 12, if you'll get your Bibles um, out, and uh, share with you just something that God has just really been speaking to me, Pastor Benny alluded to it, which isn't he just amazing? He really is. He really is. He deserves a way bigger hand clap than that, but it's okay. I won't push you this morning. We'll just warm up. I get it. I appreciate, I, I think it's kind, and I, um, and I think, you know, Pastor Dustin and Pastor Jamie are immensely gracious, and, um, you know, it's nice to be encouraged to say you did a good job, um, but I have to tell you, I, I came from a ministry family. My parents were both speakers and communicators. My brother is an incredible communicator, um, but I believe God gave me the right husband to really hone my gift. And, you know, it was interesting. I remember getting frustrated with him because he'd call out things in my life. And I'd be so mad. And I'd be like, why can't you just be my husband? You know, why do you have to be my pastor? Why are you pointing all these things out? But I realized sometimes, (laughs) sometimes, um, sometimes I think especially as you're a pastor leader, maybe you're a business owner in here today. Maybe you have people under you. um, And yes, you might have some peers that speak into your life, but they don't always know, you know, everything there is to know about you. And if I shut myself off sometimes from his critique, there really isn't a whole lot of other people that are going to be able to get into the nitty gritty details of my life to help me grow and be a better person. And so maybe I just need to let down my pride just for a moment and realize out of his heart because he loves me so much that he's willing to even risk my wrath, which we've already established can be immense. And uh, he's willing, he's willing to speak into my life because he loves me that much. And that's just a little tidbit for you married folks out there. You know, sometimes your spouse really is helping you, even though it doesn't seem like they are. (laughs) All right. Do you have your Bibles open to Hebrews? Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. This is a special church. I want you to know that. You know, sometimes we can come to church and, you know, in a place like Texas, and I've heard Pastor Dustin so eloquently share, you know, about moving to Texas, a little bit of that story and passing nine churches to get here and, you know, but just really picking up the mission that God has given to Church 1132. And I just want you to know this is a special house and you have great pastors and this is a house that you can be planted in and you can raise your children in because they're not just about you and just about building you. The church isn't just gonna age out as Pastor Jamie pastor Dustin who are very young but as they get older because they absolutely believe in the next generation they believe in your children come on they believe in your grandchildren they believe in building you and building the next generation and creating space for that and this is a good house this is a good good house those of you that have teenagers too I just want you to know I said it to pastor Dustin Jamie when I think I did maybe I didn't but we were in the car and um, I was watching uh, your youth pastor uh, Pastor Cameron, and I was watching him at the youth conference, and he's like somewhere up here in the mosh pit that was the front, you know. Do we even do mosh pits anymore? Was that like a 90, 1994 thing that just happened when I was in high school? I don't know. Anyway, they, so, and he's just up here worshiping, you know, and I just think that if, if you could have your kid, they, I realize they're not perfect and they're going to be kids and they're going to grow up and they're going to make some, some good decisions and some stupid decisions and they're going to grow. 
But if you can keep your kid following a leader that is willing to stand up here in the front and be the lead worshiper, like they're gonna be okay. They're gonna be okay. They are. God likes worshipers. Just read David's story. He just, he just likes that. He likes someone that is just willing to lead in worship. You know, I say this, I'm sorry, I'm just gonna just share just a couple little things, but um, I say this to uh, our leaders and our students, our LVBC students, our Bible college students all the time, because uh, people will come up to me because I was the worship leader for a lot of years and I'm not anymore. And they'll say, oh, are you gonna sing today? Are you gonna lead worship? And I say, yeah, I'm gonna be leading in the front row. Because we're, we're all leading. We're all leading. And they are watching. Everyone's watching to see. And I think there's something so powerful. You know, I sit most, most, my husband is the primary communicator at our church, and he's the, he's the visionary of the church, setting the direction for where we're going. And, um, and so I sit on the front row, a lot of worship experiences. I'm on that front row. And you know, I don't bring down the role that I have by sitting and amening and leading our people, come on, in how we respond in church, how we respond to the Holy Spirit. I think that's a very powerful leadership row. Role, row, <laughs> role to be sitting in your row, leading, come on, even from the front. That's, that's, a, that's a really big deal. So that was just another little thing I just thought I'd throw out there. All right, for sure you're in Hebrews now. Like even if you didn't know where it is, you had time to go to the concordance, you had time to Google where it is. Wait, do we Google things anymore? Probably not. There's probably a new app for that. Anyway. All right. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, the ESV translation this morning. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, key phrase here, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. I like to see, say pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time this morning. May your word go down deep in our hearts and bear good fruits in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I, um, I was just, you know, walking through life and, and just asking God to just share and to speak something with me. And I can remember going to sleep one night and the phrase that just kept going on in my head and in my spirit was run with endurance, run with endurance. Now, I don't know about you. You might be like a long distance runner. Maybe you just love running like you just get out, you know, in the fresh air of the day. And, you know, it just is exhilarating to you. That's just like, like, like if I don't believe in purgatory, but if I did, I would imagine that purgatory would be like the never-ending race, right? You just have to get out every morning and run. Like that is just pretty much the worst thing I could think of in the whole wide world. And I just was very perplexed. I'm thinking, God, why? Like, I mean, I know you can't tell, but I'm not athletic. Like, I'm just not given to athletics whatsoever. Now, in fifth grade, um, I could beat everyone. That's because in fifth grade, I grew to 5'6", and at that point, like no one else in the class, not the boys, not the girls, no one was 5'6", then, so everyone's like, she's gonna be so tall. I never grew after that. So I could beat everyone then, right? 
But, you know, that's like, that's like, I, don't, I was going to say chemistry and then biology, and obviously I should have paid way more attention in school, but that just has something to do with numbers. I just was tall, so I could beat everyone. But really, I peaked in my whole running career in about fifth grade. In fact, I can remember someone asking me, like, hey, why don't you come? We just go jogging, then we just do some light aerobics. Come work out with us in the morning. And I go, you know, I just, I can't, I don't know. I must have, like, like a little situation because it seems like every time I run, like, my lungs start burning. I break out in a cold sweat. Like, those are not good. Like, you would go to the hospital. Like, if your lungs were burning and, like, you had a cold sweat, you'd be like, we need to get you to the hospital. And I remember telling this person, and then they fell to the floor, and I thought, we need to take them to the hospital. But they were laughing because they said, yes, you're not in shape. That's what happens to people when they first run and they're not in shape. I tell you, I got runner's asthma one time because I was late getting to the airport and my 10-year-old was arriving on the plane and you know, you have to sign them in, the unaccompanied minor thing. Then you have to be there when the plane arrives and they bring the kid off and then you sign. And I just wonder, like, if I didn't show up, like, what do they do with the kids that get off the plane and the mom's not there, right? But I didn't want to be that mom, and I was late, and I was kind of freaking out. And so I get through security, and, um, and I start jetting, you know, the 50 yards that it takes to get to the gate to pick up my son. And I got there, and I mean, I am heaving. Like, Benaiah's off the plane. He's like, Mom, are you okay? Yes, honey. I'm okay. We just need to sit here for a minute. I really need to get back to the gym. Wait, I've never been in a gym, so I just, I need to go find one of those do whatever they do when they get there. It was curious. It was curious. God, why are you asking me to run with endurance? And then I thought about it more, and I'm like, my, I'm like the least enduring person in the world, you know? Like, I like easy. I like, Pastor Benny was talking about, you know, results and working out and giving up. I think that the message was basically directed at me. No, I just, like, I'm just, I'm not like one of those people that pushes through all the time, you know? It's just like, oh, this is just so hard, and why do we have to do it? And you know, honestly, if we're not careful, there, there really are times in our life that if we're not careful, we come and we hear really good messages. We do. They're, they're wonderful messages about, about applying our faith, about trusting in God, about, you know, running the race. And we get our four points and we go home and we do our four points, right? And we're like, yes, we got this. We're going to do our points and we're going to go to Bible study and we're going to serve in kids ministry. My God, we're going to tithe. We're the super Christian now, you know? And then we hit a pothole or a curve in the road or, right? And we're just like, wait a minute, what, what's going on? You know, I liken it to like the one person that's like the total health nut, maybe in your family or your friends or, you know, somebody in the church. And they're like this, just they, they run, they exercise, they do like marathons and stuff, you know. And, uh, and then they eat all healthy and green and no carbs. And they're just amazing, right? And then something happens in their life. Maybe they, you know, God forbid, but they, they were to get ill or something like that. And for all of us, like, non-worker outers, you know, and non-healthy eater people, we're like, see? <laughs> they work out, they eat clean, and they still got sick. And we, right, we, and we just like throw the baby out with the bathwater because it's like to us, we're like, that's it. Don't have to work out. Don't have to eat. They got sick. I'm going to get sick. We're all going to die. Hallelujah, you know? <laughs> it's so, it's crazy. 
I remember asking my dad. My dad valiantly fought a battle for seven years, and I, this is not going to get sad or anything, but seven years with cancer. And when it was um, coming to the end and he was graduating to, to go be with Jesus, and I just want to remind you that no matter what, we win. So we win whether we're graduated and we're in the presence of Jesus and completely healed, or we win if we're healed here on earth. But no matter what, we still win as followers of Jesus. I remember asking him, he was living at our house for the last few months of his life. I remember asking him, I'm like, are you kind of ticked off? Because when he, when he uh, first got sick, I mean, he went off all sugar and he ate super healthy. And I mean, like very, very, very strict lifestyle to do the very best that he could to um, prolong his life. And um, I remember asking him, like, are you just ticked now? Like, 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 are you just mad? Like, why didn't I eat ice cream all those years? You know, and he's like, no, no. I'm not. I, I, I'm grateful and I'm thankful and we just don't even know what that lifestyle, how many more years that gave me because I was just willing to do that. No, I'm not mad. And I just thought about our Christian walk sometimes that if we're not careful, we just, sometimes we just need to think about it just for a moment. Because we come to Jesus and we think like, well, you know, it's by his grace, it's by his grace. So then something challenging comes in our way, and then we're like, oh, that must not be the will of God. Or maybe you've ever been in a storm and in a trial, right, and you're praying to God, and you're like, God, show me the secret sin that's in my life that I don't even know is there, because, you know, if we just repent of enough things, then everything's just going to get good, and it's just going to be perfect. If we do all the right things, we're going to get the right results, and life is going to be great, and our kids will be perfect, and our marriage will be perfect, and, you know, life will just go perfect, and just God is with me. I'm telling you, God is with you. And yes, God, God, God rewards faithfulness. He rewards obedience. Absolutely. But what if we turn that around, and instead of thinking, why, why is this happening, looking at ourselves, trying to fix it on the inside, what if we thought, thank you, God, for the years of obedience that I have going into this because I'm stronger now as I'm facing this mountain than I ever would have been. Run with endurance. So I'm like, okay, let, let's look up that scripture. Let's look, run with endurance because, I mean, I, I don't want to run and I don't like endurance and I don't like anything hard. So let me look up the scripture, look up the scripture. So I'm looking up the scripture and I'm reading through it and pulling out some commentaries and dictionaries and things and cross-referencing it. And, and, you know, I realized that in the telling of this metaphor, which is a beautiful, poignant metaphor, that there's a little bit lost in translation. And endurance is probably easier identified as patience. It doesn't make it easier to do. <laughs> Sorry. It's like, have you ever asked God for faith? Do you know how you get more faith? You have to work the faith muscle. That hurts. <laughs> it's like, Jesus, give me patience right now. Yeah, asking God for patience is one of those scary prayers that you pray. Run with patience. And then we get a little confused because obviously we see this beautiful metaphor. And if you're like me, I see, I see and think in pictures. And so I, I, I even preach this myself, right? There's this stadium in the Olympics. Um, you know, they, they, well, they passed a couple years ago now. We're coming up to the Winter Olympics. And it's kind of fun. And we imagine like this huge stadium. And we're running this race. And the witnesses are surrounding and they're cheering us on. But, you know, if we're not racing people and we're not endurance people, that can kind of scare us off. 
So this race is a little different that we're running with Jesus because this race isn't about being faster than anyone else. This race isn't about getting to the finish line quicker than, in fact, there actually really isn't a finish line because the finish line is heaven, so we don't really want to get to that finish line. But more aptly, it could be described as a relay race, and we have a responsibility to fulfill, come on, the journey, the pathway, the destiny that is on our life so that we can adequately pass on the baton to the next person. But it's not about running faster than anyone else. So I like to say, I would say, it's more about being patient in the journey that God has placed you in. Can I be patient in the journey? Let's start at the beginning. It says, so then we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. I can remember honestly, like thinking about this and for me, active imagination. You know, I'm, I'm imagining all of the people they talked about in Hebrews 11 and Rahab and Abraham and Sarah. And I'm imagining them in the stands. I'm imagining my dad, you know, cheering me on. You know, as I'm running my race, they're cheering. They're like, go, Wendy, you can do it. But actually, this word witnesses is, is not really as def- defining a cheerleader or someone that's cheering us on as it is more closely related to the word we get martyr. They're not actually witnessing us doing something. They themselves and their lives are a witness to us about someone. We look at Hebrews 11, and we've heard a lot of good messages, and I love them. I love it. I love talking about Rahab. I think that's just like such a great story of redemption, right? I loved, let's, let's just talk about Naomi and Ruth. That's awesome. Sarah, you know, the, the mother of our faith. I love talking about all those people. But the common denominator in Hebrews 11, the common denominator in the heroes, heroes of the Bible isn't about them. The common denominator is God and the faithfulness of our God. God. So we are surrounded. It's like we are in a courtroom and we are surrounded by overwhelming evidence of the faithfulness of the God that we serve. And the stories in the Bible They're not given to us so that we can just do exactly what they did. I think they're more aptly given to us to encourage us and to help us understand something. That even in our imperfection, even in our weakness, even though we might go through a few trials and our life isn't perfect, that God is still faithful. And no matter what, we win. And we can endure. And we can go further. And we can finish this race. lives their lives next time you're going through a challenging situation I just encourage you to read Job don't read it now if life is good (laughs) just wait just just a little bit their lives are a witness to us not about their faith it's not about their faith 
We've already established, and we're going to get there at the beginning, at the end of this scripture. This, he's the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. He's the pioneer. I love that. I like author, too. I think that's cool. Like, you know, he's writing a book. But pioneer, like, elicits, like, a visceral reaction in me. I don't know if you've ever been to, like, the Oregon Trail, and you can still see the ruts to this day in the ground of the pioneers that risked everything they risked to go and to settle in Oregon. And you can go look at those ruts and realize what it meant to pioneer. You can imagine God, and he's getting ready to pioneer this faith in you. It all started with him. Let's remember that. Let's not lift up a human being because of their ability to believe. Someone gave them the ability to believe, and it comes from him. We are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us also lay aside every weight and sin. This one got me. I've, I've read this scripture a bunch of times. Grown up in church. Heard this scripture a bunch of times preached. Weight and sin. So that means not every weight is a sin. I used to think it was synonymous. I thought, I thought they, they were talking about one thing here, the weight and the sin, and let's say, you know, and talking about sometimes those petty things that, you know, like to come up in our life. But I, I, don't, think, I don't think that's what it is. I think, it's, I think it's understanding that there are good things in our lives that weigh us down and might not be sins. I think one of the greatest hindrances to us Running this race with patience, continuing on this journey with patience, is comparison. You, we've all seen it, right? We've been watching uh, um, a track and field event, maybe even a swimming match, but something where there's a lineup of participants and they are headed all in the same direction. And we've all seen it when it's a really tight race and the guy or the girl that's out in front and they're running that race. And then just for a moment, I mean, just a split second of time, they look over their shoulder, right? To see where everyone else is in the race. And then it's the person that's next to them that isn't looking around. I mean, when we're talking world-class athletes, right? And that person just overtakes them. Sometimes it's just, just a half, uh, just a half of, of step as they just step out and they're able to win. Why? Because for a moment, the leader began to look around. And I think that the greatest hindrance to our patience in our journey is when we begin to compare with someone else is when we look and we begin to compare and we look, we look, we look at them and, and we judge their journey with our journey. But the problem is their journey isn't our journey. Our journey is always meant to look different because we have a set of people to influence, to love on. And I believe that our journey is specifically set up to prepare us for those interactions with individuals. But we start comparing and we look. And, and, and I would suppose and... I don't necessarily have the education to, to prove it to you today. I, I have to do some more study on this, but I, I think it would be nearly impossible to have both comparison and patience at the same time. I don't think it is. Now, it's funny because in every generation, this kind of happens, which is something new will come up and, you know, and then we're like, oh, this is so evil, it's so evil, and, and comparison has never been as bad as in our generation 
Our generation is the worst at comparing because of social media, the evil social media, right? It's, 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 it's satanic social media. Social media is, is it's, it, 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 it's an inanimate, it's not an object, but yeah, uh, yeah, whatever. You get it. Long weekend. Um, but it's what we do with it. And we think that it's new. Like, well, it's just never been. It's never been like this. There's all, it's just like, oh my gosh, like all the pastors we can get on. We can see what everybody else did and how great their service was. And then we compare it to our own. And, you know, and it, 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 in, in the last generation, it was Charisma Magazine. And as soon as that came out, everyone wanted to die. But, um, right? And we think that this is a new phenomenon, but yet we look at Apostle Paul, he's, he addresses it multiple times in his book. We go back to Jeremiah, Jeremiah's addressing it. Come on with the children of Israel. Hey, we go back to one of the very first stories in the Bible, Cain and Abel. Like it doesn't get much more about comparison than that. Didn't end so well either. Comparison isn't a new thing, but it's a way for you to get your eyes off where you're going. And the last part, the most important part, the crux of this, because if you leave here today, right, if we leave here today, like, this is great, I'm going to have faith. Oh, yes, amen, I'm going to have patience. This, I'm not going to compare anymore. And then you get out there, but you don't end this scripture the right way. You don't end it with Jesus, right? We get in ourselves in a lot of trouble because we've already established that there will be challenges, okay? We've already established that the grace of God is not lifted off our life because there is a challenge. Instead, the grace of God is empowering us to do the will of God, even though the road might be a little bit challenging. But if we don't bring it back to Jesus, we'll think, that's right, I just got to do better, be better, act better. I just got to believe better, confess better. I just got to serve better. I just got to do this, you know, and it's, it's just going to get better. No, we have to end it looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. This all starts and ends with Jesus, keeping our eyes on Jesus. Podcast the last message by Pastor Benny. Come on. Keeping our eyes on Jesus, he distracts you. Oh, I, I've been there. I've been there going to bed at night and thinking about my problem, forwards and backwards, from this side, from this angle. If I quit and don't do it, if I persevere and keep going, what book can I read about this problem? And I am fixated on the problem. What if I took the same brain energy, the same emotional energy, and began to look at from different angles, frontwards, backwards, from this side, from that side, how great and how good and how faithful he is to me, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. The very next verse, I love reading it in the Amplified Translation. The Amplified Translation is, is the translation for all women. Because if the writer could use 20 words, the Amplified Version uses 40 words. They're just speaking our language. This is the very next scripture verse. We just read one and two. This is the very next in the Amplified Translation. Verse three. Just consider... And meditate on him who endured from sinners such bitter hostility against himself. Consider it all in comparison with your trials. So that you will not grow weary 
and lose heart. Someone comes back to the keyboards one more time. Consider and meditate on him who endured from sinners such bitter hostility against himself. Consider it all in comparison with your trials so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. We do. We come to church and we apply the word of God. We're looking for a desired result. And I don't think that that's wrong. I don't think that, you know, whatever will be, will be. No, I, I, I think it's good to have goals. I think it's good to work towards something. I think it's good to be healthy spiritually, right, and physically. I think that's good. And, and we, ought to, we ought to aspire and continue to obey. I, I think all of those things are good. But if our expectation is then, therefore, that our life would be perfect, we're going to be sorely disappointed, disillusioned, and we have all seen people that walk away from God because the desired result did not happen in their life. So my question to you is, we think if we live a perfect life, then, then we will have a perfect life. My question is, did Jesus live a perfect life? It's not a trick question. I know nobody ever wants to answer in church because we think, oh, my God, we're going to get the wrong answer, and then we're in church. No, Jesus lived a perfect life, but he didn't have a perfect life. He was betrayed by someone that he poured his life into for three years. He went to his hometown all the people he grew up with. And he couldn't do very many miracles there because they just saw him as a 13-year-old kid. And, oh, yeah, we've seen Jesus. Makes a mean table, you know, but he's really forward-thinking with those tables, really setting a new, a new trend here in Nazareth. <laughs> Betrayed, put down, used, abused, spoken horribly about. Just for a minute, remember, this is the amazing God that we serve. I don't want you to leave here today being down, discouraged. Or this, this is not my point. My point is just to set you up for success. So next time you face something, you don't waste your time like just, I mean, we should. We should always examine our hearts, but sometimes it's just life. But I want to encourage you. The one who started, the one who began, <laughs> the one who created, the author and the pioneer, he's going to be faithful. And you're going to get through this. And you're going to finish well. And you're going to pass off the baton. Come on, and you're going to set up a beautiful legacy for the generations coming behind you because of your obedience and faith. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. You can find out more about us at church1132.com.